0: You're listening to the teaching of Calvary Paris. For more information, go to www.calvaryparis.com. We're looking here in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 at the model for Christian giving. It's been said somewhere down south that do your giving while you're living. Then you're knowing where it's going, Okay. I think Ronnie Groom said that actually. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding, Ronnie. I'm just kidding. But I could see him saying that. But, but, anyways, that's true. This is, this is, what we're looking at tonight. Is giving, and in the life of a believer, what part this has to play? And you know, the first seven chapters of of, of the book of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Paul's has pouring out a pastoral heart to the Corinthian believers. Just pouring out his heart as a pastor to them, opening himself up, being transparent in ways that he's never been before to these dear people that he loves so much. And now he's going to begin to address in chapter 8 and 9, really kind of the, the, the second purpose of the letter, which is giving uh, concerning an offering in Jerusalem. We'll be talking about that tonight. But speaking of giving, there was a pastor who was talking to his friend who happened to be a farmer, and he asked him at one point, he said, hey, if you had 100 horses, would you consider giving me 50? And the farmer said, well, yeah, of course I would. And he said, well, what about if you had 100 cows? Would you give me 50 of them? He said, well, yeah, I'd I'd certainly think about that. Yeah, I would. And then the pastor said, well, if you had two pigs, would you give me one of them? And the the farmer looked at him and said, cut it out, pastor. You know I have two pigs. A lot of Christians are like that, aren't we? We're, we're, we're into the intention of giving. We're good with the, you know, hey, I'd like to give. Oh, sure, I'll give you the shirt off my back. But when it comes right down to it, oftentimes when it comes time to give, hey, hey, back off. You're pushing me too hard. One of the reasons I love teaching through the, the Bible book by book and chapter by chapter, really verse by verse, is that it forces us To face subjects that we might not choose to cover if it was just up to me. I I, I don't personally love to, you know, talk about giving a lot, especially when I see it being abused in in much of the church today. There are some churches that overemphasize the teaching on giving. (laughs) I mean, just as an example, you know, as I'm preparing the slides for today, even. I go and I'm looking for some background slides for a message on giving. There was 474 slides on giving. Guess how many stills there were or background images for 2 Corinthians? Only as many chapters as there are in the book. It's only, only uh, 13. 13 slides for 2 Corinthians with, with that background. But giving, oh man, there's almost 500 of them. See, there are churches that will take up a tithe. And then they'll pass the plate again for an offering. And then some churches, some pastors, still have no shame in continuing to ask for a third offering, a first fruits offering, a sow your seed for a miracle offering, and on and on it goes. So no wonder I could be hesitant to bring it up, the subject of giving tonight. But apparently, though, I'm not the only Christian who's ever cringed when the subject of giving comes up It also seems that the Corinthians were sensitive about it, and they were here in need of some encouragement. You see, it had been about a year since Paul wrote to them and and mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 through 4, he mentioned to them that, that they were collecting an offering to bring to the church in Jerusalem. Fast forward a year, they need some encouragement now to follow through on their good intentions. And to give that offering to the poverty-stricken church in Jerusalem. So in chapter 8, Paul gives them and us a model for Christian giving. And we're going to look at that tonight. And the first example, uh, or the first part of this model is an example of the churches in Macedonia. So grab your Bibles and let's look at verses 1 through 5. Paul says, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. "...that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints." Verse five, and not only that, as, and not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. Let's pause here for a moment. So Paul here is giving an example of the churches in Macedonia. He's holding them forth in, uh, as a model. And, and the church in Corinth needed to see a model of giving. You know, as we had talked about, the church in Jerusalem had fallen on hard times because of persecution against believers in that city. And the Christians were having a tough time. And Paul, out of the goodness of his heart, had decided, hey, we're going we're gonna to co- make a collection to bring to the church there in Jerusalem. And, and so the churches had appointed different uh, men to, to kind of collect that and to bring it. And And Paul desired... That these churches would give out of their abundance in order to supply the lack of their brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. Now Paul is attempting to follow through here on this offering, and he's going to spend the next two chapters encouraging and exhorting this Corinthian church to do it. He starts here. He's talking about the Macedonian churches. That was Philippi, Berea, Thessalonica. Those are at least the three that we know of. These churches lived in the area of a, a very poor area of Greece. It was northern Greece, known as Macedonia, the region known as Macedonia, whereas the Corinthians lived in the southern region of Greece, known as Achaia, and they, they were in a port city, which was a bustling uh, city of commerce, so it is probable that the Corinthians were better off than many of the churches in Macedonia and, and, and certainly the church in Jerusalem. And Paul here says that, hey, you wouldn't know that you guys were better off because the churches in Macedonia, are, they're giving with generous hearts. Even though they're in great affliction, as you can see there in verse 1 and 2. They're in great affliction and they're in trials of tribulations, yet they're giving joyfully and they're giving abundantly. How is it that they are able to do that? We're going to explore that tonight. But first of all, notice that in verse 3, they gave willingly. These churches had impressed Paul with an attitude uh, and, and, and with their actions. Not only were they going through tough times, but they were also poor. And in spite of that... They're begging Paul, not for money, but they're begging Paul to be a part of the offering. They're saying, Paul, please take this for us. Take this on our behalf to the church there in Jerusalem. How is it possible that they could have this kind of an attitude? they, 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 they were giving with joy. They're giving with generosity. They're giving with willingness. Even in the midst of affliction, even in the midst of tribulation, Man, that's convicting, isn't it, when you think about that? Let's, let's apply that to our lives tonight. H- have we ever been in the midst of affliction or trial and tribulation, and, and, and the first thing that we think about is ourselves, and, and we don't think that we should you know, still have to be giving to others, because we think, no, no, I'm the one who's hurting right now, but, but that wasn't the, the, the case in these churches in Macedonia. Notice, That this is all possible because of what verse 5 says. In verse 5, it tells us that they first gave themselves to the Lord. That's the reason. That's the reason why these churches are able to, in the midst of affliction, give with joy and give with generosity and give with willingness. They had first given themselves to the Lord. The story is told of an offering that was being taken in Africa during a revival there. And as one deacon was coming by with the, holding the offering plate in his hand, receiving the offering row by row, he came there to a brand new believer in the meeting. And the man asked him if he would lower the plate, and so the deacon held it a little bit lower, and he said, no, no, lower, lower, all the way to the ground. And so he set that plate on the ground, and the man stood up and stepped into the plate himself, signifying, hey, I want to give all of myself to the Lord, You see, this believer, this new believer, he understood what God wanted. He understood that God wanted him. God wanted his life. That's what God is really after. You see, when we give ourselves to the Lord, when we surrender to Him, we find ourselves uh, able to also give resources and support to God's purposes and to God's causes in the world. Even if that resource is our time. Even if that resource is something that we know and and can help out with. See, the church there in Macedonia, they first gave themselves to the Lord. And then they were able to give themselves to the work of God through Paul. They committed themselves to Paul. It says there, they were able to trust in Paul because they could see, hey, this guy is of the Lord. And and that's important here to, to notice, and we're going to see that tonight. Christian giving is never to be detached from wisdom. We we always give with wisdom, and we see the Macedonian churches, they gave themselves to the Lord, and because they knew the Lord, they knew they could trust Paul, because Paul was of the Lord. Paul was of, of the Lord. He was preaching the gospel. He was furthering the kingdom. And so they said, you know what, we can trust this guy. We come now to the crux of the matter, though, in verses 6 and 7, where we see an encouragement to excel in giving. Look at verse 6 with me. It says, So we urge Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. In verse 7, But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. So Paul first informs them there in verse 6 that Titus is actually going to be the one who's heading this uh, collection up. He's going to be the one who's helping Paul to collect their portion of the offering, which they had already begun to set aside from a year ago. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, Paul instructed the Corinthians, hey, you should be setting something aside each week for this offering that you're going to give. And 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 that's an important principle within giving. We're not we're not gonna focus on that tonight, we're gonna look at that next week. But right now, Paul is coming really to the main issue, especially in verse 7. The main issue is that he's exhorting this 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 church to excel in their giving. The Corinthians, you see, they had an abundance of spiritual gifts. If you'll notice there in verse 7, Paul mentions several of them, they had great faith. Great speakers, great knowledge, and even supposedly a great love for Paul. But Paul is challenging them here. He's saying, look, he's really building up his exhortation here. He says, listen, if you're really so great in all of these things, including your love for me, then make me proud by being good at your giving too. In other words, put your money where your mouth is, right? Right? That's a saying that we have here in the United States. But that's essentially what Paul is saying. He's saying, look, you guys, you've got all these great gifts. You've testified of how God is moving in your midst and and all the amazing things he's doing. But now you need to show that you have love for other, other believers by meeting their needs in a practical way. Notice that Paul says there in verse 7 that giving is a grace. Giving is actually a grace. It's a work of grace in our hearts. He's referring to what God has done in us and what God wants to flow out of us. So notice when, when Paul says that giving is a work of grace, he's referring to the fact of what God has done in us first. When we understand God's amazing work of grace in our hearts, it should change our heart. It should change our attitude towards meeting the needs of others. It's one of the great truths about our God. It is, and, and I know I hammer this into you guys, I, I, but I can't help it. it. It is a wonderful, wonderful truth about our God. He is a God of love. And, and, and that is his primary characteristic as revealed in the scriptures. And, and because he loves us so much, we love him in return. But the, one of the ways that we reflect that is because God loves to meet our needs. God has met your need and my need. What is the greatest need that we have? It's not money. It's not food. It's not even air. <laughs> Although, if you try holding your breath for too long... You, you, you'll find out that you desperately need air. But we need forgiveness. We, we need forgiveness of sin. We need salvation. More than, than anything else, God is interested in meeting the needs of sinners, and He has done so. He's provided for that through Jesus Christ. And that's His heart of love towards us, and that is to, that is to change our heart towards Him and others. We see this in the example of Jesus Christ's love. Look at verses 8 and 9 with me. Paul says, I speak not by commandments, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Hey, if you like to underline in your Bibles, please underline that phrase, yet for your sakes he became poor. That is an amazing phrase right there that tells us about God's love. But, but in these two verses here, we see the model for Christian giving. And, and it is all based on the generosity, the generous act of love of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's notice a couple of things here. First of all, notice that giving to the Lord and to others is actually a test of sincere love. It's a practical way that your love is going to be tested. Secondly, Jesus' love for us can be measured by what He was willing to give up in order to save us. That little phrase, that Jesus became poor for your sake, that is a huge theological phrase. The, the theology behind it is amazing. In fact, if we were to, just to look at the theology behind it, it would take us to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, where we read this, it says, "...in your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage." in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. These verses tell us that Jesus Christ was rich beyond comparison. He was rich beyond what you and I think of as rich. There is no earthly comparison to the riches that Jesus Christ held. And yet, He didn't consider that He did not consider equality with God something to be held on to. In fact, for your sake, the scripture says it, for your sake, he became poor. For your sake, he said, it's worth it to give all of this up that I might become a man, that I might come to the earth and save the lost Humanity, those that are lost, those, those that, of course, are going to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So because of this decision to become poor for us, we now have the opportunity to become rich, not in material goods, but in salvation. Now, this is where a lot of the health, wealth, and prosperity teachers get off, isn't it? You see, they they, they like to major on the material wealth portion of life, and they like to major on this idea that, hey, Jesus is rich, so we should be rich, but they fail to understand that Jesus Christ's riches were never material goods of this world. Jesus said, hey, uh, foxes have holes, birds have nests, son of man has nowhere to lay his head. His focus was not material goods. In fact, the, the only wealth that, or the only uh, um, value that material goods have, according to what Jesus teaches us, is is how how they aid us in our relationship with Jesus Christ, how they might aid us in our walk and our relationship with the Lord. So so if they hinder that, they have no value. And and what we have to see and what we have to realize here is that Jesus, through the gospel, He has given the whole world an opportunity to become truly rich. Through the gospel, as we place our faith in Christ, we become participants, the Bible says, of the inheritance of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, earthly inheritance, that can be something that, that is, is just an awful thing for families they struggle with, you know. You start talking about money, you start talking about material possessions. Man, people get divided, don't they? And, and it gets ugly fast. But listen, Jesus doesn't want us focused on that inheritance. He wants us focused on his inheritance the heavenly inheritance above is so much greater and of so much more value than anything this earth has to offer. And so that's the model right there in verses 8 and 9 for all of Christian giving, that Jesus gave generously to all mankind, asking nothing in return, and now He sends us to share the good news of salvation with others, to let other people know about God's generosity, about His goodness, about his love. In fact, Jesus instructed his disciples in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 8. He told them to go. He sent them out. And he said, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. I love that verse. Freely you've received, freely give. Jesus says, look, what, what I've done for you guys, take that, go out, And to the best of your ability, in your own way, according to your personality, how I've made you, go do that to everybody else. Freely, you freely receive, now go freely give. Guys, one of the greatest things about Christianity is is how it has affected and impacted the entire world. Because people whose hearts have been overflown and impacted by the grace and the generosity of God for them, they've in turn gone out and shown the love of Christ to their fellow man. Believers and non-believers alike. And just look for ways to, 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 to love on people and to improve the quality of life, to share the gospel hand in hand with all of that. Guys, it's amazing when you think about it. It really is. And that's why I think it's going to be so devastating when the, 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 the church gets raptured and taken up out of the earth. Because all of a sudden, all of these people who have a spark of light, the light of God's grace shining in their hearts and reflecting in their lives, they're going to be gone. And darkness is going to reign. We really, I, I hope that we strive to have this attitude here at Calvary Chapel of Paris. I mean, it's really my heart. You know, to give out what I've received. And, you know, I, I don't have, you know, any special skills. Ask my wife. I can't repair hardly anything. I'm, I'm horrible at that kind of stuff. Really bad at mechanic type stuff and fixing things at home and things like that, you know. I mean, I usually have to wait till her dad comes, okay, for her to, you know, help me out, you know, or my dad to come and help me out with that kind of stuff. I'm just bad at it. But, but I've taken some classes, I've taught through some of the, the Bible. And whatever I've got, hey, I want you to know, I want to make it available to you guys. My heart is that you would grow. My heart is that you would be discipled, that you'd be raised up, that you would be brought to a place in your Christian walk where you're able to go and to give out what you freely received here at Cover Chapel of Paris. And, and, you know, it's a great principle. As you guys come to Wednesday nights, as you come to Sunday mornings, I pray that you take what, what is taught and you go and you find somebody to share what you learned. Even if it's your wife, even if it's your kids, even if it's you know a friend at work. Say, hey man, we were, studying, we were studying this passage and the Lord spoke to me about this and it was, really, it was really neat. Something that simple is giving away freely what you've received. And you know what? God is going to bless that principle. He's going to bless that in your life. Well, we're going to continue here back in in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Paul now gives some advice on how to give. Some advice on how to give. Verse 10. Really practical advice. He says, and in this, I give advice. It is to your advantage not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago, but now you must also complete, or you also must complete the doing of it. That as there was a readiness to Desire it, so there also may be a completion of what you have. For if there is first first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has and not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but by an equality, that now at this time your abundance may supply their lack. And that their abundance also may supply your lack, that there may be equality. Now I want to pause right here really quickly. I just want to define equality here, okay? Uh, Paul is not talking about socialism, just in case you're wondering, okay? Socialism is somebody coming and by force taking your goods to distribute to those who don't have. And, And it's never a good thing. Okay? It's never a good thing. You can, you can see many countries around the world that are experiencing socialism that, that, that fails every time. Why? Because of human nature. Human nature is corrupt. Um, that's, that's the Christian worldview. That's the Christian perspective. The equality that Paul is talking about here is an equality that's motivated by love. It's an equality that comes from a family gathering together and realizing, hey, there's someone in my family that's hurting right now. There's someone in this family, and and I see them. They're struggling to make ends meet. They're struggling. You know, before I came into church tonight, I I saw their tires, and they're threadbare. And and I see the metal showing, and and, and I want to do something about it. And so I'm going to somehow, in an anonymous way, see that they get that provided for. You know, little things like that is how that's the kind of equality that paul's talking about here meeting needs it's meeting needs out of love based in, in in a love relation nobody's forcing you to do it you just god's putting it on your heart and so you kind of anonymously go and you don't let your right hand know what your left's doing but but you make it happen that's a beautiful thing it just pleases the heart of the lord i'll never forget that that actually happened to me i was uh uh, you know, it was my first year on staff there at Calvary Chapel and Vista, and I was driving a nine, 1995 teal green Ford Escort, okay, with alloy rims and a spoiler. It was a, it was a silly car. I don't know why I was driving. I guess it was, it was the car I could afford, okay? But, but I remember that car, and, and, and as I was driving around, you know, there was a time, I guess the tires got really bad on it, and, and I didn't realize it. They, they got really worn down. And one day as I was checking my box there at, at the office, someone had put a card in there and it didn't have anybody's name on it. It just said a verse from James talking about how the poor of this world have inherited, you know, something much greater, you know, and I'm reading, I'm like, okay, that's nice. But then there, there was a check in there too, not a check, I'm sorry, it was just cash. It was cash and it was, it was enough money to go out and get a couple of new tires for my car. And I thought, you know what, Lord, that's, that's, that's really humbling, but it's also really cool. It's really cool that somebody would just, out of the goodness of their heart, do that and not even let me know who it was. They were just giving because they, they wanted to. But they supplied my lack in that simple way. And, and I really believe that that's what Paul's talking about here. So it's not socialism, but it's this uh, motivated, loving, I'm going to supply the needs of those that are lacking. Verse 15, As it is written, he says, He who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack. That's a quote from the Old Testament referring to manna. How God provided manna on a daily basis for his people. And the idea here is Paul is saying, Look, God takes care of his kids. He takes care of his kids. We can trust that he's going to do it. Sometimes, though, he allows us to be involved in the process. He allows us to be a part of that and to be a blessing to other people. So what is the practical advice here? Well, number one, follow through on your intentions. Follow through on your intentions. Many believers can have the best of intentions. But this is where the biggest danger of hypocrisy comes in for many Christians. They agree with the principle of giving in their hearts. They say they're going to do it. But when it comes right down to it, many Christians are not following through on their intention to give to the Lord. You know, I've seen a so-called Christian husband who was going, to, uh, going through a really tough time in his marriage, in fact, was separated from his wife. And in that time of separation, he promised to be there for her and for the kids Financially. He had plenty of money to spare. He could have easily taken care of them and blessed his wife and kids with more than they needed during a very difficult time in their marriage. But you know what? He could not relinquish his hold on the money. Even when it came to losing the most important things in life, those relationships, he never followed through completely. He said he was going to. Said he was going to do it, but never ever did. Listen, we need to be those that are faithful in the small things like giving. We need to open our hearts to others and show that God's grace has impacted our lives by touching the lives of others who have that need. Secondly, we need to give in proportion to what you have. That's a second uh, piece of advice from Paul. Paul. There was a man who came to his pastor for counseling. He was feeling convicted because he was not being faithful in giving to his uh, church. There, he he had you know was he had a generous salary of over thousand dollars a week that he was making, and he told his pastor, "Listen, the problem is, it, it, you know, well, when I was before, I, I didn't have any problem thanking God and giving him a liberal offering." when I was only making about $200, $300 a week. But now, for some reason, I'm, I'm having trouble. Can you pray for me? And the pastor said, you know what? Yeah, let's pray. So the pastor began to pray, and he said, Father, I just pray that you would cause this man to lose his job and give him that $300 a week job back, Lord. And, and the man's like, whoa, 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 stop. <laughs> but, but sometimes that's what we need to get back into the will of God. We need to realize, hey... It's not all about material things. Sometimes the Lord has to strip us of those things so that we realize, oh yeah, I was doing just fine before I had all of this. And now my heart's not right. Hey, the Lord needs to give us a right heart so that we can uh, get back into His will when it comes to giving. Number three, we need to give with a willing heart. Paul makes that very clear. That's a third uh, piece of advice. Give with a willing heart and mind. It's not just... With the heart, it's also with your mind. Hey, you want to do this. Lord, I want to bless you. I want to bless your people. Fourthly, know what you're giving towards, Paul says. You know, he says there that you're giving towards those that lack. You're giving towards this cause in Jerusalem, guys. Listen, we need to know what we are giving towards as Christians. Don't ever just send in money to somebody that sent you a random letter, you know, and said, hey, this... (laughs) This letter's been blessed by our, our, our counselors of prayer, you know, and, and, and if you send in your check or money order, you know, you'll, your house is going to receive a blessing. That's a, bunch of crud, that's a bunch of crud to clarify what I was about to say. I have to edit that out. I'm sorry, but I do get mad about that kind of stuff. It ticks me off. know if you've ever gotten one of those but I I, one time I got this thing it was a piece of paper and it was looked like a rug you know I mean they printed out like a rug and they said this is your prayer rug it's been blessed by our (laughs) our prayer team and if you'll send in a gift to our ministry that blessing will be received in your household you know and and I'm just looking at this I'm like this is a piece of paper you know you got to be kidding me but, but unfortunately, there's people out there like that. There's people that are fleecing the flock. It's disgusting in God's sight. We need to know what we're giving towards. We need to be those that, hey, we, we, we do some research. We should be giving towards causes and, 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 and churches that are actually doing what God's Word prescribes in their communities and in their places of ministry. All right. Lastly, Paul's advice is that the goal is to provide for each other's needs. Again, that's the goal in our giving, is we're providing for needs. Let's make sure we're providing for needs. All right, last, we're going to finish this chapter real quick here. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 16. Paul gives assurance of integrity and accountability. It says, But thanks be to God, who puts the same earnest care for you into the heart of Titus, For he not only accepted the exhortation, but being more diligent, he went to you of his own accord. And we have sent with him the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches. And not only that, but who was also chosen by the churches to travel with us with this gift, which is administered by us to the glory of the Lord himself and to show you and to show your ready mind. Avoiding this, that anyone should blame us, In this lavish gift, which is administered by us, providing honorable things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. And we have sent with them our brother, whom we have often proved diligent in many things, but now much more diligent because of the great confidence which we have in you. Verse 23, if anyone inquires about Titus, he's my partner and fellow worker concerning you. Or if our brethren are inquired about, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. Therefore, show to them and before the churches the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. So Paul wraps this up here by ensuring the credibility of Titus and the other brother who are coming to collect the offering from the church in Corinth. He lets him know, look, these men are okay. They're with me. Titus is my partner. This other guy's been chosen by the churches. He's a credible guy. Secondly, Paul establishes accountability. He tells them, listen, we want to be blameless in the way that we do this. And so we're going to do this in an honorable way. We're going to deliver this honorably. He establishes accountability. And then thirdly, Paul also encourages them to make him proud. Paul encourages the the church there to make him proud by coming through on his behalf. He's been boasting about him, talking it up, how the Corinthians are going to come through. Now he says, hey, make me proud. Make me proud. You need to do it. Follow through. Now, next week, we're going to wrap up the section on giving. And Paul is going to give us some good insights into the grace of giving we're going to put it all together next week, kind of taking things from this week, but also looking at chapter 9. And I, I also want to try to answer some common questions about giving that Christians today have. And, and I'd also like for you to be thinking of something. If, if you've got a question about giving, I want to take a few minutes at the end of next week's uh, Wednesday night service just to, just to field any questions that you guys might have about giving. I know it's an area where Christians can have some questions. So, so be thinking about that. If there's a question on your heart about you know, giving, tithing, and, 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 and all of those things, we're gonna look at that, and, and I would love for you to ask that question next week when we wrap it up. Um, but tonight, let's remember this about giving. Number one, God's model for our giving is how he gave himself. That's the model. And, and Jesus didn't just come to die for a few people, he died for the sins of the whole world. He, he, he came, God, God gave his only son because he loved the world, John 3.16 tells us. So let's remember that. We're not commanded, uh, and, and then secondly, what we can take away from tonight is that we're not commanded to give, but God's goodness, love, and grace should compel us to give, okay? That's the attitude. That's the attitude that we need to have, okay?